Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. out there and welcome back to peanut butter and biscuits ted lasso fancast here on the front row network on npr illinois and yes do not let your ears be deceived folks it is the dulcet tones of mr jeremy geckner i am back from my servitude to the house of mouse down in florida and i am back breaking down some ted lasso with you guys in a very special episode today but of course the person who was holding all the reins while i was gone is also here with me mr craig mcfarland craig what is up it's been 84 years <laughs> since you've been here, Jeremy. No, I truly, it's, uh, it was great to have some episodes where I got to have full control of this thing, but yeah. I am so glad you are back and glad that you are hosting this interview that we have this week. I am so excited for people to hear this. I, in full disclosure, we just got done with the interview and honestly, it was just incredible what we were able to talk about. Yeah, very, very much so. So we are actually taking a break from the season one rewatch today to bring you a very special interview with the people who literally do the final editing on Ted Lasso, the editors themselves, the Emmy Award winning and nominated editors, Melissa McCoy and AJ Catiline. Uh, Melissa and AJ were good enough to take some time out of their busy schedule preparing for season three, which is of course shooting very, very soon to talk to little old peanut butter and biscuits over here in Illinois, the United States. Um, and it was just a really, really fun conversation like you said but before we get into any kind of previews we got a little housekeeping that we want to do as always at right off the top here absolutely and i just wanted to make sure that we get this out because of the order you introduced them uh they were both up for emmys in the same category yes uh, melissa was nominated for make rebecca great again and then aj actually won the emmy for the hope that kills you. And, you know, they, they will talk about kind of their process and how they do even an odd number episodes. And at least for the last two seasons, now they were kind of a little bit in this interview, they were a, a, a bit uh, sneaky about if they yeah. were exactly going to be doing yeah. that again where they were going to be taking even and odd episodes. It's almost like, I don't know that they avoided answering that question, <laughs> uh, but it was something where they were like, ah, well, maybe we don't know yet. Well, we haven't that, really talked yeah, about it Yeah, that's never uh, happened to us so, before at the Front Row Network. <laughs> a- absolutely. But I'll tell you what, they were so open with things. And I just want to do a little brief housekeeping. And that is to say that we are coming up on some milestones as far as the number of reviews that we have on Apple. We're very close to that 100 review mark. Yeah, so if you're listening guys, to us on it. Apple... It'd be great for you to take a moment and, and leave us a review there, just like we had gotten right after our episode posted last week. And that is that this listener tag has says that they're always waiting for a new episode, didn't discover us until they had already finished season two. So it actually worked out really well that we did season two first, and now they're going back and listening, and they're always uh, eagerly awaiting a new episode. So we really do appreciate that. Also, in our Facebook group, 
I will say uh, we are so close. I think when I looked this morning, we had one more person that oh, we need come to on, hit guys. 150 mark to then uh, be able to get John Garcia to give away some of his artwork. And I will tell you, this is very secret. Ooh. Very, very secret. Ooh, here we go. Breaking news, people. One of our members happens to be an Emmy winner that we <laughs> talked to in this episode. AJ is in there. And I wanted to make sure that you all know if you love this episode, if you love Ted Lasso, the place where you can directly be able to say thank you to AJ is in that group, in the Peanut Butter and Biscuits group. Absolutely. So definitely go and check that out as well. Um, other than that, buddy, it's just nice to have you back. I'm sure that we could talk Disney all day long. And <laughs> With trip, you, that'd be hard, yeah. <laughs> I'd say, in fact, I think you know I have another Disney show where maybe we can do a trip report or something Ooh. with you and Sarah at some point. But I, I'll tell you, I'm so excited to have you back. It was so fun to do this interview. I want to make one last note before we jump into it. I actually had some family obligations come up in the middle of the interview and so i had to cut out a little bit early so you'll hear maybe about half of the way through uh, i'm just going to disappear from you and it's okay (laughs) i wasn't abducted i wasn't like disinterested thanos Thanos snapped away (laughs) yeah exactly i was blipped out of existence no it was like one of those situations where uh you know i had to leave but at the same time we were having such a fun conversation Mm with these two. And it was almost like we were just chatting uh, amongst uh, some friends or colleagues about Ted Lasso. And it was just so warm and exciting. And you can tell why this show works on so many levels because every member of that production side gets it. They talk a lot about Jason Sudeikis in the uh, interview portion that I was able to be part of. And you can tell just from the very top all the way down there is a culture in this show that is unlike any other. And so I don't want to be in the way of this interview <laughs> at all any longer. So Jer, no, any, uh, anything else before we get into it? No, you're absolutely right. It's funny because we wrote down like all these uh, technical questions that we wanted to ask them about editing and their process and stuff. And inevitably every question turned into just like fan drooling over like favorite scenes and, and characters and stuff. So it's like, it, it is quite amazing. You're right. That it's like, they're just as big. I mean, it, it seems like that should be logical, but it's like they're just as much fanboying and fangirling over the show as we are, which is fantastic. You know, like uh, it, it's not just a job to them. They really take it so seriously, um, you know, the amount of fandom that's out there. So I, I massively appreciated that. Um, we are going to do a, a hard public uh, campaign to get Melissa back on to do an in-depth Beard After Hours breakdown um, because that's what I want to do. <laughs> and uh, she said she could talk about that episode for hours so we're going to try and hold her to that but then again they're about to be very busy so they're, they're going to be extremely busy in the relatively near future which is why we're so grateful for their time and you kept them overtime i know. You know i'll tell you what i um i sent you i called you and i was like i was going to see how the interview wrapped up and then you were still interviewing them for like 15 minutes longer than that so we're yeah. very grateful for their time we're grateful for all the work that they put into this show it's just amazing and honestly i now get to turn into the listener because <laughs> i did not hear that last half of this interview and so let's get to it man i want to hear this yep all right without further ado everyone here is peanut butter and biscuits interview with ted lasso editors melissa mccoy and aj cataline <laughs> All 
right. So first of all, we want to just once again thank you guys for coming on here to talk Ted Lasso, um, a topic you know a lot about. Um, so <laughs> we're going to just dive right in here. But uh, before, right off the bat, though, I just wanted to say that I've got a little bit of uh, camaraderie with you because I'm a video maker myself. I'm a video editor uh, as a profession. Um, and I've actually done a little video editing on movies, um, two indie films, so nothing like you guys are doing. But um, I've been an assembly editor and a full editor on two uh, indie films. So I know uh, what, a little bit of what you guys do. But uh, before we get into the minutia of editing and stuff like that, I want to know your guys' superhero origin stories, okay? So please tell me how, Melissa and AJ, how do you come to be born and then into the world of editing Ted Lasso? Well, first of all, congrats on being an editor. All, yeah. all editing <laughs> is storytelling, really. There I mean, go. no matter what you're doing. And I think that's, you know, key. You know, I, I started off in this business uh, doing, you know, documentaries out of school and, you know, working on things that, you know, couldn't afford to hire me and volunteering. I cut PSAs for charities. Uh, but, you know, it's all, it's all storytelling at, at every level. And, and it really... Um, I don't say it doesn't change, but it's the same premise when you're <clears throat> then working on, you know, uh, television and uh, shows that uh, that everybody loves. It's about, you know, how can you uh, write with um, picture and sound? You know, editing is the the final rewrite. Um, and I know our writers on our show would, would, would agree with that because uh, Jason is one of our writers and he, he <laughs> digs into the edits with us. And <laughs> you know, he's like, well, here's where this is our intention and this is what we're going for. But now we have this material and how can we tell the story? So, so yeah, I mean, to answer your question, it just has, it's been a long journey and uh, I know it has been for Mel too, and she'll get into that. But, you know, for me, it just kept um, working, you know, I did a lot of reality TV started there. It's a great, you know, training ground for a uh, scripted editor. Mel and I might even have a, a same credit that we worked on. I think, what was it, Mel? We're done. Rock of Love was that it? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> fantastic! We, we don't totally remember each other. But yeah. I think I worked nights and you worked days. Maybe that was what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. Oh, you work kind of, of around the clock on those reality shows. You just have people working around the clock. There's so much footage. So I think I mean, like we, and so many people. So AJ and I crossed paths, but didn't know it. Didn't know it even yourself can't even imagine how much footage you get from a reality show and then trying to get that down to the 43 minutes or whatever you have it's just incredible yeah, yeah. well that's I, fine on our show we don't have a clock but please yeah go ahead. yeah oh no i was i was gonna say i um you know i grew up in michigan and um i just loved television and i loved movies it was kind of an escape and I think I was scared to think I could ever work in it. You know, I went to college and I tried everything under the sun. I was like, you know, um, a geology major. I was an English major. I was a this, I was a that. And I was like, I just want to make movies about all this stuff, you know? And, but that seemed crazy to somebody from Michigan. Like, I was just like, no, there's no way. But I found, um, uh, a program it was called video and video and small format production it was a major and it was at western michigan and i was like this is what i want to do and i went and i was like all in you know what i mean i think um they came by one of my class and it was like none of my other classmates were that into it as i was like i was like every <laughs> film and i just fell in love with the editing process of it like i was like oh this is wonderful like I liked making the films and being out there and being on the set and stuff, but it, like I, there was something about being alone with the footage and making something about it. And I loved that. And I just, 
Yeah. So, you know, these women came that they worked for the local cable company and they wanted interns, an intern. And I looked around and I was like, I got to beat all these people for this internship. <laughs> and then like, I wrote my letter. I was like, so into it. And like, I think I was the only one that applied, but so that's kind of how, like, I realized like, Oh, if I'm going to do this, I got to get to California. So I went to Chapman and went to study editing. Cause I was just like, that's my favorite part. And mm. Chapman university had a conservatory where you could um, focus on, on the, dis the different disciplines. So, yeah. So then I did, yeah. From there I was like, whatever short films in, I did indie films, um, reality TV, and then was an assistant for a long time. Uh, just, I feel like learning from some really wonderful editors and then, you know, work my way up from there. So that was. And now just origin. getting <laughs> nominated for Emmys yes. and everything else. So, nominating I mean, and winning Emmys and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You know, uh, AJ, I got to listen to an interview you did at LassoCon. And one of the things you mentioned there that was really important to you as an editor, and Melissa, I wanted your input on this too, is that ace designation uh, to being an editor. And in fact, I made the dad <clears throat> joke earlier because, yes, I am a father, that really we have two aces Two aces, us, guys. Right? Two aces. So, Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell us a bit about that um, designation and kind of what that means as an editor. Sure. Oh, yeah. Mel and I were thrilled to be uh, two aces, uh, American mm -hmm. Cinema Editors, it stands for. And yeah, when I was a kid, I would grow up and watch movies, you know, and remember on the screen, it would always be like someone's name, comma, A-C-E. Like, wow, that's cool. Who's that ace? I want to be an ace. And uh, <laughs> just so honored when we, um, it was, I think, right after we got nominated for Emmys, we received a letter from the ace board of directors saying you know we want to welcome you in and mel and i just were over the moon and um you know uh it was incredible and last in the in 2020 uh uh we mel and i went to the ace uh eddie awards you know we were working because we hadn't been thrown out of the the lot yet for covid um mm -hmm. so we were on the warner brothers lot and we we're like yeah you're gonna go to the, the ace awards tonight and we had to figure out how to changed into our clothes like in the bathroom at work and put on our suit and Mel or dress and we drove all the way over there after a full day of editing and we found each other in this crowd it was just like almost a thousand people at the ace eddie awards and i just finally got to say hello to mel and we took like a, a little selfie on our phone and then a year later when we got nominated i'm like look at us now now we're, we're two aces um yeah but That's yeah it's just, it, it, the mentor i just want to give a shout out to mentorship i've had so many mentors in the business and both the editors guild and ace who just always you know pushed me to keep believing and it started back and i want to give a shout out to new york university where i went to school and, and usc i think mentors beginning back at USC when I first moved out to LA and the, the back then it was on tape to tape where you, you yeah. made it edits on these <laughs> giant three quarter machines with these loud decks mm -hmm. and you would have to make a cut and you just hoped it worked. And it, you know, God forbid if someone gave you a note and like, you go back and fix that. And you're like, Oh, it was so <laughs> maddening. So when I first discovered uh, a Macintosh editing system with Avid, it just blew my freaking mind. I was like, oh my God, now it's fun to edit because it's easier to make, make changes. So yeah, it's been a long journey and I'm just so thrilled that uh, we're both in ACE now, right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I really owe kind of my career to ACE. Like I, when I was at Chapman, um, ACE has an internship. And so they picked like three students. I think it was like uh, two in, from America and then they picked one from uh, like overseas or, you know, it was um, international. And you get to come and and follow, it was, at the time, you did, like, 
two maybe two television shows and a feature or two features in a tele- like you, you got a taste of all the different kind of varieties you could work in and um uh anyway yeah i wrote a i wrote an impassioned letter about my love of editing i was picked for one of the slots and um on that go around i met um the guys from csi that was one of my room rooms i stopped into and i just felt cool. like an instant kinship with them like you know, the editor was a, was a, was a dad and had a family. And I was like, Oh, that would be lovely. You know, cause you kind of think, um, you know, you hear a lot, unfortunately, as a woman in this business, like, I don't know how you do it with kids. And, mm. um, and it, I mean, it's wild. I get a lot of people being like, how do you do it? I'm like, yeah, it's hard. I'm, you know, tired and, but I'm doing it, you know, and you can just do it. If you, if you want to do it, you can do it. Anyways, long story short, they had a lot of like qualities that I just loved as human beings and I loved the work that they were doing. And so I, they, anyways, I just put out in the universe. I was like, if I ever get a chance to work with those people, I would love it. And CSI was one of those juggernauts that just kept going and going and going. So I finished school, went and got my union days. And then by then people had kind of moved up and a spot opened for an assistant editor and they remi- and I just kind of kept in touch because I was like, you're going to want to hire me one day. And, <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> and they did. They brought me on. And, so and like it was like my, you know, my intro into the biz and um, started everything. And so that started with Ace. So it was, it's like one of those things where uh, then to be welcomed in. And then, you know, just yesterday, uh, an old somebody when I was an assistant who was a PA and he's now assisting and wants to know how do I make the leap reached out to me and I got back. I'm like done with my job that I just finished. And I, I was like, sure, let's, let's zoom. And so anyway, to be able to pass on that mentorship and have people now look at me and say, how did you do it? And I'm like, to be able to inspire or help in any way possible. Um, it just means it meant the world to me at that time. So I know that feeling and I just want to be able to pass that on. And that was something lovely about Ted Lasso. I think so many people, loved that so it's like if you want to I think AJ and I both took the lasso spirit into our hearts (laughs) about that you know and kind of continue along the way of helping people believe in themselves and lifting people up and anyway so that it's just like a whole beautiful spectrum to be moved up on Ted Lasso into Ace with that and and then be continuing kind of the virtues of the whole um you know program and everything it's just it's amazing. And to have that, you know, to have your uh, nominated episode, Make Rebecca Great Again, be something that is in this show that already helps subvert some of those gender norms that yep. you're talking about. And mm-hmm. then here you are editing this like excellent, amazing episode <laughs> that gets you nominated. It's just so storybook in a way. And you talk about those inter- those mentorships and internships. I'm actually an academic advisor by day and in an academic advising office mm-hmm. right now. And you, you know, like those conversations that you have with college students about the opportunities that you have if you have the preparation to get yourself there. It's just wonderful to hear those uh, from both of you. But, you know, moving on, I uh, we asked our Facebook fans as well in our group. We told them we were talking to you two. And, oh, of yeah. course, one question immediately came up, and it came up quite a bit. I want to get it out of the way. Shockingly a lot. Yeah, this one came up so many times. <laughs> I'm positive you have heard this a million times, but – When's when do we get that blooper reel? Is it coming on uh, April Fool's Day? When, you know, when when can we? Uh, I know you can't really tell us, but are there uh, is there a blooper folder or file that you have that maybe Apple might give to us at some point as fans? I 
think so, right, AJ? I mean, we've seen a blooper reel, not to be like, oh, but like, yeah, that is torture. I can, I can, uh, I can give you the share screen option if you want, and then you know, yeah, 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 we can just share this out right now. Yeah, you have to talk to our assistants. They, they did an amazing. They do amazing every year. They pull. You know, because they, they prep all of our dailies for us and everything. So there are mm-hmm. a lot of times the front lines of seeing all that funny stuff. Um, but yeah, our, uh, Francesca Castro and and um, AJ, you want to introduce mm-hmm. Alex? Alex Zabo, my amazing assistant. Yeah, he he actually uh, put a lot of the, and, and Frankie too, they both worked on it. And there was a, a blooper reel, which we did kind of show at a fun uh, post-rap party. And there is some really funny, silly stuff in there. But look, I just want to say that, you know, to all these rumors about where's the blooper reel. There are no bloopers right now. I mean, this cast is, <laughs> they don't make mistakes. Now and I have the easiest job in the world. We just chop yeah. off the plate. We let the school run and then we put it in and then we we're done. We yeah. go home. It's, it's simple. Now um, look there, they have such fun times as a cast and they're really, you know, really well gelled uh, together. And so, you know, it's funny watching them uh, start to break and laugh at each other. And, 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 you know, Brett Goldstein as Roy Kent has the absolute hardest time. <laughs> stern Roy Kent scowl. and He can't so much as crack so much the slightest smile. And when he does, the whole thing just explodes and they have to stop and reset and, and go back. And um, I know that uh, uh, Hannah uh, Waddingham and, um, and you know, and, and and Nick Mohammed just can't look each other in the eye when they're doing it. <laughs> both laugh like like Nate is known for for cracking up takes, so they tend to look off eye line, uh, which you know isn't that noticeable, fortunately, when we're cutting. But um, yeah, the, the you know, there's just a lot of fun uh, uh, in the dailies. But you know, people ask me that a lot, like how much is left on the cutting room floor, and I'm like, not too much, I don't think. I think mm-hmm. most everything really goes into the show because it's so intentional. And they know what they're writing. They know what they're going after. And so much of everything, you know, goes um, up into the show. You know, there was that funny instance where we had to cut that, you know, line about the British owl. You know, what sound does a British owl make? Whom, 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 whom. Over the course of like three episodes. started in episode nine last year. And it was supposed to come yeah. back in my episode. And I had to cut that whole scene for time. Uh, unfortunately, so it came back all the way into season uh, season two with Mel's episode where they they finally paid it off like, the whole <laughs> season later. So so even that's not left on the cutting room floor. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jason's always like, remember the things we cut because I might want to use them. So maybe that's why he doesn't want a blooper reel because like he's he you know there okay. he wants to use it. But I also wonder if like at the end of season three, if it's our last one. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but. Mm-hmm. Like maybe AJ and I should spend it like because we're always so in it, right? There's always so much time just getting that getting it out to people. You know, we feel a huge responsibility, especially with the fans, um, that we're giving it our all for the episodes. And so I know there's a ton of things that I'm like, this is hilarious. Like it, one of the things I was thinking of is just like in episode what episode is it where Beard confronts Nate. And he's like, do better. And then he just like, Nate leaves the office and comes back and Beard's just gone. Yeah. There's like a, it was a really, and I played it for Brendan, but it was like, I was like, I was going to cut it like this. And it's how Brendan leaves the chair, actually leaves the chair. He just like slinks out of it and like out of frame. (laughs) And it was just like so funny because, you know, 
if you didn't know what that he was just supposed to disappear, you could just like cut it like that and be like, wait, what? That's so weird. But anyways, I just would think like things like that would be funny behind the scenes of like how committed they are to jokes and, and everything and getting the timing right for things. Like we have a lot of different bits we could put together that would be really funny to show fans, I think. Um, but it takes time to go through all that stuff. But I know we have bins that we pull. Uh, I, you know, every episode I have a bin that's just gags. Yeah. So I'm sure we would have a wealth of it. And I'm sure maybe because we're talking about it now that somebody's going to ask us. <laughs> I might be I might be shooting us in the foot. Apologies. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, hard hitting journalism questions. Blooper reels. Um, no, it, it is it is fun though that you mentioned that whom joke because I noticed that when I watched it uh, with my wife this last time, I finally broke her down and now it's one of her favorite shows. I feel like I've accomplished something. Um yeah. but um she uh, that also reminds me of uh, like one of these huge long things I remember from uh, the show Community where they did um, they showed they said Beetlejuice three times over the course of like eighteen episodes and then yeah. somebody in the background walked through with like the pinstripe suit and I was like I how do you even keep track of that like that's just so insane it's like that commitment but I, I, and I noticed it the second time that was just so fantastic but um again like I'm very interested in the process of this so just a few technical questions here like I know this does like differ pretty heavily from production to production but with this one um you know in a new season do you like immediately start getting the dailies back and do you start editing them right away or is there kind of a a time between shoots that that you have to kind of compress decompress this stuff (laughs) there's no such thing as decompression there you go (laughs) From the moment they start shooting until the moment we are are delivering the last episode, we we are completely slamming, and it just ramps up as the year goes on. Um, no, the the editor starts the day the production starts. Now we have a about a two maybe forty eight hour lag, maybe sometimes we get it shorter between the time the dailies are uploaded in London and sent uh, over to Los Angeles, and then. Okay process and then our assistants have to organize it for mel and i before we can start editing it um so uh there is that little breathing room but um no we we are uh, right away uh processing it and and cutting and uh you know digging into the dailies um and then it becomes um in this uh so in season one it was a luxury because we had every single episode open from you know one through ten and that was very effective because we were able to then figure out, like, if, you know, Mel set something up in episode three, I can then adjust it in episode eight. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we had that luxury. Uh, in season two, we had an air date because uh, Apple and decided they wanted the show on the air to, to coincide with the Olympics. So they announced to us, it was a surprise to all of us, that the show is now airing about three weeks to a month earlier. Oh, my goodness. So we were really, really under the gun to get those episodes out. And to all the people on Twitter who were complaining, like, why doesn't Apple just drop the whole season? I want to see it all now. What's going on? Why don't you just do that, Apple? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I wanted the reply, like, because we're still cutting it. We're still yeah. mixing it. Our sound team and our visual effects team is still working on it. And it was, it was close this season. Like um, I think episode eight, we delivered with maybe 10 days to spare before it aired. Insanely close for a, for a scripted show. Um, 
and certainly for Apple, but that's just because they knew that that was going to happen. So we were working around the clock uh, toward the end there. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's why. So blame it on the editors. What you can't. <laughs> well, and that was that was incredible to me. Uh, what was incredible to me, you know, Apple gave us the uh, ability to get some of the episodes a bit early. And so looking and seeing how much of the visual effects go into this as well, yeah. you don't necessarily like – I don't think of this show as being like those sci-fi, like the expanse or something like that. That's going to need a lot of heavy visual effects. But when you're thinking about, especially maybe even COVID affecting this and not wanting to have like a huge crowd of people at the pitch, trying to think about all the times that you have to add in those visual effects and that the amount of time that that takes, it was incredible seeing sort of the, um, some of the green screens and things like that uh, as the process was going along and you'd go back and check in. For instance, the claymation opening to the Christmas episode, we had seen that uh, whole episode just a little bit early. It had none of that claymation opening. So it's just really interesting how that process continues to evolve as the episodes are released, for sure. Yeah, that was that was actually fun. Yeah, because it just had your guys' editor note as just like Christmas intro. And I was like, ooh, oh, yeah, something right. good's okay, coming yeah, here. <laughs> but I, I, I mentioned <laughs> that to him. Come. I mentioned that to Craig when we were watching the uh, the Signal episode because there were a few shots of uh, Jamie on the field that were behind green screen. He's like, oh, man, that's so weird. And I'm like, nah, they do that a lot. Like, you know, like green screen is a, a, a fun thing. It oh, makes, yeah. you, makes you able I mean, to do anything. I- well, that's a shocker to a lot of fans. None of this show is played before a live crowd, and none of it is takes place in a soccer stadium. Mm-hmm. And yeah. even that was even season one before COVID. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. just how, yeah, how they did it. Yeah, right. yeah it was. It and was there's also a lot of visual effects that you don't notice, and that's you know they say you know editing is an invisible art. So if Mel and I are doing our job and our team's doing our job. You should not notice editing. So there's a lot of things going mm-hmm. on that you wouldn't you know not all visual effects are like you know grand uh you know things like the soccer stadiums or some very subtle things that we're doing like sometimes splitting the frame and putting different pieces of performance into the frame and doing Mm -hmm. a composite that way so there's all kinds of things that we do uh that that go into it and we have a we just have a really great team and our expectations i think are exceeded like i love when we get to the sound stage and listen to how the sound team just takes it over goodness yeah yeah, Just, those, those are nuts. Keep going. So I, I am the opposite end of the spectrum from Jeremy. So he's out there and, <laughs> yeah. and doing all this editing for his work. He just taught me how to use GarageBand to edit our podcast mm. seven years into podcasting with him. So I, I, I know nothing pro, about what you do. I just know that it's beautiful <laughs> and that I really appreciate your art and your creativity. Oh. Um, but can you, I know that you've mentioned in other interviews that Melissa, you traditionally take take the odd number episodes, AJ, you take the even number episodes going into season three. Is that kind of the, the similar setup? And can you just kind of walk uh, a dummy through sort of uh, how you, like what happens? You get the dailies, they go to your assistant editors, they kind of flush some of that out and then it gets to you kind of what is your process to get it to us, the viewer. And Melissa, maybe you could start that. Yeah, I, um, so yeah, once I get my dailies for the day, depending on what the, you know, you look and see what scenes you're getting for the day. And then I just, I always start my day by whatever scene I'm working on by rereading it in the script. So I can kind of familiarize myself with like, you know, I've read the script, but it's like, okay, what is this scene accomplishing? What, oh yes. Okay. What are my important things that I wanted to, you know, feel in the scene? And then I go through and I just watch the dailies. I just watch all the takes and I'll, I'll write notes or, you know, if there's something I really love, I'll quickly just throw it down on my timeline as, as you call it, kind of it's the, your kind of your structure, your blueprint, um, how you build your scene. 
and then yeah, I just go from there and just and build the scene. And um, once I feel like I've got it in a good place, I put it aside. And then once I've built all the scenes for an episode, you put it together. And I like to watch it down kind of warts and all with my assistant. We'll watch it and kind of take notes like, oh, you know what? I could trim here. I could take some time off of here. Oh, if I had found a really great music cue to lead me into here. Like I, I kind of make all those notes and then I go through and, and start shaping the episode. And then once you get that in a good place, you send it off to the director and say like, here, here's my, uh, here's my vision of the, of the episode. Um, and then they, you work with them for a few days to kind of, you know, accomplish their, what their vision was uh, for whatever scene, like, oh, I don't think we need this, or maybe we could do this with this, or is there a different shot for this? Like you kind of fine tune it and then you send it producers and the producers say, okay, here's what I want to do with it. And you kind of work with the producers to get, to get it even more shaped. And then, you know, Jason comes in and gives his notes. Sometimes the writers give their notes, then you send it to Apple, then you send it to Warner Brothers. And so you kind of are going through all these processes of, of everybody kind of chiming in on what they want the episode to be, whether it's like, you know, I don't think this joke's landing. I don't think, you know, can we help this performance? Maybe there's a different music cue. And, you know, like we get music from our music supervisor and our composers and that helps us inform. So it is, it's an involving ever changing kind of living, breathing thing until it gets to the air or on air. And it's kind of like a lovely collaborative and you, everybody's just goal is to like usher this baby out into the world. And, um, and so that's a process in a nutshell. I mean, okay. Know, that, well, it's it, crazy, but uh, okay. yeah. And so because you're going through all those stages, that's why you kind of, it would be way too much if one person was doing it all. So that's why it's like, you know, we, we go back and forth because you're always in a different stage and then you're getting another episode. So like, as you're finishing one, you're working at, you're starting that process over with the dailies. So you have to manage your time um because you know you might have to give some time to producers notes and then spend half your day doing the dailies on the next episode so it's a lot it's it's an intense period of time um yeah there's yeah. stages to the cuts and we label them uh, we have an editor's cut which mel and i put together initially and then the director will come in and we do a director's cut and then once the director's cuts go out to the producers and then we'll mm -hmm. start getting notes from producers you know our um Declan Lowney, who is our director and supervising producer. And then we um, hear from even um, Kip Kroger, our boss and pros will weigh in. And then of course, Bill Lawrence, um, our showrunner will come in and then ultimately, you know, it gets to, to Jason. So there's a series of cuts that just go up by what's fun uh, is that some things we really dig into and work on a lot. Like I think Mel was cutting that press conference scene from season one, episode yeah. one. Yeah, the pilot. Yeah, well. yeah. And there's some cuts that are in our editor's cut, which just don't change at all. Like how we cut it in our first time, and like everyone's like, "Yeah, that's great," and it goes all the way that way without ever. Like I love those edits. Those are just those golden <laughs> edits that just work, and they work forever. And you never, you never change them. Yeah. Can you give me some I, advice I on how to get that kind of cutting? Cause that never <laughs> happens to me. <laughs> I, my, my other favorite is when you're like, uh, you know, you do a change and then they're like, Oh no, you're right. Go back to what you have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a great feeling. Too. Those are always yeah, the best. <laughs> yeah. This uh, is a question I didn't even think of until now, but I've had it in my mind and it might be kind of a logistical question more than anything. I uh, saw that you have, um, I believe that the show has either signed to be syndicated with TBS or TNT. I'm, I'm missing it up in my mind. Uh, at least that was what I had read. And so if it goes back to somewhere like that, because it's made on a platform where the timing doesn't necessarily matter, quote unquote, mm -hmm. 
Mm. What happens in that kind of a situation where then it has to go kind of, is it reverse engineered? Do they come back to you potentially for that? Or is that some other editor that would then handle bringing that to more of a, a cable? Wow. What a great hypothetical question. Yeah. yeah, I know. I have no idea about that. I mean, they put a lot of movies on, on uh, TV that they have to cut to fit Whoa. into time right. and they bring on other editors to do that and just to get it into time. And, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, a great story, Home Alone one or two with Donald Trump in the scene, they had to put it on TV and they, they cut that scene out and <laughs> yeah. flipped out. Like, what are you doing? And it everybody was, was good with it. <laughs> yeah. But it's just a time thing, but no, they probably do not go back to the original editors to do that. They'll hire a new editor to come and fit it into a, a TV time. What, a, what would, what would that do to Roy Kent's character? I'm just like, I know. now entirely, <laughs> I'm like, how do you do? What do you do? Yeah. Yeah. We did well, they don't go back into the footage. They just, they just take, but yeah, but you know, Roy and the F word, about to say, they had a yeah, meter like, on social media, a, a curse tracker, and Roy was very much in the lead. Um, yeah, so. I'm like, how would you, if you can, if Roy can't say the F word, he's just you like, know. his character's so neutered, he would be in like 2% of... <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, though, it, it comes with the, like the, like the best one that I remember is the Big Lebowski, and they changed a very iconic line to, this is what happens when you meet a stranger in the Alps, as opposed to <laughs> uh, what the actual line line was but um what another question from uh kieran one of our listeners and he talks more about he wanted to know what your favorite moment or scene of editing was and i want to share with you that i was talking about this when we were going through our season one recap with two aces that the scene for me that i love how it's edited for comedic timing and i believe aj uh this would have been one of yours but it is that scene where may is explaining what why the curse is there. And so they're sitting in the crown and anchor and it goes from face to face. So you immediately see uh, it's, and I can't remember specifically the characters and I know people will yell at me while they're listening. I remember those. It goes from, it goes from Cola, right? It goes from Cola saying that's too many ghosts. And then, that was Richard. That was Richard. But, but it's just, it's just the way that it's like from, from person to person. Um, and it's just edited in such a way where you learn about these tertiary <laughs> characters in like a one second clip and it's just so remarkable but that's that's one of my favorites but i didn't know uh, and aj i'll go to you first what was one of your favorite scenes to edit if you could pick one sure um well uh to answer your question there i think well, that's what's so great about this show is that you know most shows just have an a story b story c story but Lasso has a, you know, a D, E, F, you know, <laughs> story just keeps going. We, we really dig into all the characters and they all, you know, emerge. Like you probably didn't think that Sam Obasanya would be a big character in season one. And then he is huge in, in season two. And, um, uh-huh. you know, same with Isaac as the, you know, that great moment in, in Mel's episode where he gets his confidence back. Mm. And so all the characters, yeah, I love the little reveals and those little moments. And Jason's always encouraging us, um, to take the time and mind those and put those in and have those reactions so that you can just, so it's, it's obviously it's working. You're seeing the characters faces so you can see how they're reacting to the moment. And, and that's just so wonderful, not being locked to a timing that we can just take our mm. time with it. And, you know, Jason always tells me and Mal, he's like, leave room for the inhales and the exhales, you know, like a uh, mm. comedy editor. I've been, trained to you know you got to get to the joke quickly and then get to the next joke mm. quickly and just as comedy is all about you know pace and 
But on this show, it's kind of the reverse. Like we just let it breathe. And I think that is a great effect because it gives the audience a chance to laugh and to react to it. Um, but, uh, okay, so favorite uh, things to cut. I mean, I think without a doubt, um, you know, I'm going to say No Weddings and a Funeral, uh, where uh, Rebecca Rick rolls everybody. <laughs> I mean, that was just such an amazing scene that they had put together in that church in this incredible location and the way that they got all those extras to, to sing Never Gonna Give You Up and all the, just the, the way they pl- strategically placed all the characters around the church you know, Ted walks in and makes the sound and everyone, they have that great shot from the back and the whole church turns around and looks, uh-huh. and gets me every time. And then um, I love, I save, uh, you know, everyone's like looking at Ted and smiles. Oh, Ted's here. Oh, Ted's here. And then they have one shot of Rupert just looking like <laughs> I know, turning, yeah. howling away. And that, that's just such a visual laugh. Uh, and then of course you see all the triangulation, you know, Sam is looking at Rebecca because he's longing for her and then Keely clocks that mm. and that makes Keely think about who might be pining for her and she turns to look at Jamie who mm. she knows is behind her Jamie then is caught looking at her and turns away Keely then turns back and then finally Roy looks at Keely and so you start to see the the relations of all the characters so that that scene was wonderful and um you know I've, I've said this before I, I cry editing the show and I cry when I put these scenes together and then i watching back i I get i get misty eyed too so it's all working but yeah definitely no weddings and a funeral uh to me is one of my funnest most fun episodes uh, you 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 talk about those little uh glances and looks at each other i noticed this in make rebecca great again that i would have never thought about this uh until we saw season two which Mm -hmm. is why i like that we're going back and re-watching it after season one um but you have this moment where Rebecca and Sam look at each other in the karaoke bar mm-hmm. and it's just like, Oh wait, what, what <laughs> this is happening? You know? And it's like, it's again, that the amount of uh, thought that goes into these characters is just absolutely remarkable in the way that that little moment was edited, uh, Melissa, that you like us as an audience, we don't know that in season two, they're going to end up being this couple that we all come to love, but it's just a little spark right there. It's just incredible. That's Jason, man. Like the man, the myth, the legend, like Jason has it in his head. And, and I didn't know actually that Sam and Rebecca were going to get together. I just was seeing the different chemistries everybody was having and the little looks and, and I just thought there was something, they just have that chemistry, you know? And so I'm sure maybe Jason informed them. And then I picked up on that. Um, Yeah. That's Jason. Jason's got a plan for everything. And, and he thinks about this show on such a deep level and it's just wonderful to work for him. I have to say like, you know what I mean? I feel really, really lucky with this cast. It's, it's, they're amazing. You know what I mean? Like, I know everybody's like, Oh, editing, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I feel really proud about the editing work AJ and I do. I think we, I think we're, you know, amazing, but you are, daily, you are. Yes. Thank you. But the dailies that come in like are special. This cast, like, Hannah Waddingham, like Remarkable. Juno, you know, Roy, I, I, season one, I was like, I, I said to my assistant, I was like, um, I'm in love with Roy Kent. Is that weird? You know? And then to see when it goes out into the world, everybody's loving it. And so I don't know. I, there's so many moments that I love editing on this. Like I could think of like when I was doing the pilot, that end phone call with Jason and his wife, mm. uh, or Ted and his wife, that, 
I didn't know what the show was going to be. Like we hadn't seen a bunch of scripts, you know, I signed on, I signed on to the show because I was working with Bill Lawrence on a different show and I knew he was developing with Jason. I saw Jay, like I, I'm a huge SNL fan, like giant. And I was just like, I didn't know, I didn't read a script, anything. And I just saw that they, they were developing this thing. I'd never seen this Ted Lasso skits. I just was like, please, can I be on that show? <laughs> like I kind of was just like, please, please, please. I kept checking in on it. And then I got the script for it. And I was thinking it's going to be a goofy comedy and we're going to cut it like 30 rock. And it's going to be like this and that, bing, bing, boom. <laughs> and then I, and then I read that in the script and I was like, whoa. And then I got the dailies back and saw Jason's performance. Mm. And I was like, whoa, like an actor, you know, and I'd seen his movies that he was doing. I knew he was good, but like, it was just next level for me to see that and to see his beautiful performance. I mean, he was acting against nobody, <laughs> you yeah. know, and and like getting that phone call, I, I was just like, oh, this is, and then to see where the show went, like when I did episode five with him and his wife leaving, uh, with his wife leaving. And lines, yeah. And lines, yeah. And that end where we come off the game. And uh, when I was cutting that scene, I had originally, I had pulled the Celeste song the, that I used at the end of seven. Mm -hmm. And I had, didn't know where I was going to use that, but I heard that song and I was like, I love that song. So I just had it in my Avid and um, I had tried it in there. I tried it in that scene and I was like, it's not right. I was bummed. And we had heard that Marcus Mumford was going to be our composer. So I was driving to work one morning, just listening Oof. to Marcus. And I, that song came on that I used there where it was like, think of London and the girl you're, you know, and, and I, I like sped to the office and I like <laughs> ran in and I was like, Francesca, like my assistant, she loves it when I, she's like, no. And I'm like, this song. And we're listening to it. And we're crying. Mm -hmm. And so I cut the scene and then I put the song in and it's like one of those things where when you're like what the Celeste song in seven, where you like lay it in and you're like, okay, let me just get the feel of it. And then you have to edit it to kind of fit the picture. Mm -hmm. It was one of those moments where I like laid it in and I, and it, when his wife and him were, uh, you know, leaving hands, it was like the the lyrics kicked in. It's like, think of London and the girl. And I was like, Francesca and I were just, we were crying. And I was just like, what is this song? And so <laughs> I uh, wrote to Tony. Tony uh, is our music supervisor. And I was like, can you, is there an instrumental of this song? And because their performances, when they're talking to one another where he's kind of saying, you know, you don't have to keep trying. And then we cut mm. to Keely and Roy and they're having their moment. I didn't want lyrics under mm. any of that because the performances were so amazing. Like when I tell you, it's like you could play that dry and you would have been emotionally affected because they're so good and so in it anyways. So I just, it's one of those things where you're like the performances and the music we're able to get and our VFX team and our sound team. It's like, it's just a pleasure and a joy. And it's like every, I love every episode. Like every episode is my baby. Yeah. Every one of AJ's episodes is my like step baby. I feel connected <laughs> to it. You know what I mean? Like, we have like joint custody. Yeah, yeah, joint custody. Like, you know, like I, when I, when I read these scripts AJ's going to get, I'm always like, oh, he's got a good one. And oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, then it's like, I can't wait to see this. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have to go through all the pain of making yeah. it amazing. So it's like, I'll get to see. Anyways, so well, it's, it's yeah, it's not yeah. because you're two. It's not because you two are both here. But I, my favorite episode of season one is Tan Lines. My favorite oh. episode of season two is Man City. So I think I have you both covered. I think. Oh, there you go. There you well go. Yeah. Yeah. Melissa, you were talking there. It, it's so funny because 
Yeah, when I, because I was such a huge Mumford and Fenton, was, am, um, but like, yeah, when I started hearing Forever come on there, I was just like, oh my God, I'm going to lose this, <laughs> like, and everything. But um, to a T, what I love about this show, too, is being an evangelist for it, is what I call it, um, because I've shown so many people that first episode, and like, each and every one of them, when they get to that final scene, like they literally go quiet. And it, it's amazing to me. You're right. Jason's performance is so raw. And it just like you've got this crazy whirlwind adventure that's starting to happen in this. And there's so many funny moments in that in that whole thing. And then, yeah, you just get this raw, real emotion. And that's like when I think people realize like this is a different kind of show that, that, that we're dealing with here. Um, and it's just one of those things that just continues to like – make me happy every time I show somebody this show. Um, you know, my wife hates soccer. And so she was like, I don't want to watch the soccer show. And I was like, you know, honestly, you only see like four games in the whole series. So I think you'll be fine. And like, like I said, the minute she saw that first episode, she was like, well, let's keep watching. And she did the whole series in two days. So um, wow. it, it was really fun. But that, I'm glad that you mentioned that scene. Cause I feel like it doesn't get mentioned enough. Cause it, it is the impetus for that. Also, that first episode, the tinnitus shows up in that press conference. I didn't notice this until my second watch. I was like, my God, this is a Kevin Feige, like, MCU plan that's being laid out here. It's well, absolutely yeah. insane. That was a, that was a, that was a Jason. Uh, again, we had cut, I had cut the panic attack scene in seven, and we had put that in there. And that was the, what AJ mentioned where everything was open. And Jason was like, when we went to do the sound, he said, could we have just a li not what it is in the panic attack, but mm -hmm. the level below. So that's another cool. one of Jason's. And then you brought it back. Um, and uh, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I want to give uh, credit to Mel and Jason for like really uh, setting the, you know, trailblazing that how panic attacks happen. Uh, yeah. yeah. The very first panic attack is the press conference in episode one. I mean, we don't know it's a panic attack at the time, but if you now in hindsight, you can see that. And then even in episode two, you see him, his hands starting. The hands, to, yes. I noticed that you know, too. Like he, he starts little fidgeting with the that. hands. No, that's right. And then, then in episode, um, uh, you know, make Rebecca, Rebecca great again, we see the first full-on fledged, you know, panic attack. So um, to Mel's point about when we read the scripts and we're like, oh, Mel's got a good one. Or I've got, you know, <laughs> for some reason, I got both panic attacks in season two. I don't think it was planned that way, but it just happened. Um, so I was... Uh, putting those together and the first panic attack took place in episode six, the signal when it's during the game and he starts mm -hmm. kind of freaking out there and he walks off the field. And of course, Rebecca clocks it that he's having a panic attack as she knows. Um, so that one was, um, I mean, they're all a challenge to design and our, our sound team really helped there. And then our, mu our music composer, um, Tom Howe came in with this great piece, which kind of reminds me of the Beatles, Sergeant Pepper. It's very cacophonous music. And so, mm -hmm. but I, from where I was designing it in the beginning, I had a lot of choices. And I remember I called Mel, we talked a lot during the season. I'm like, you know, I want to talk to you about designing this panic attack. And I had a lot of options to intercut, like the game was going on, um, so we could intercut. We decided to use the screaming angry fans and Jamie Tart being frustrated that he couldn't mm -hmm. score. And we kept doing these intercuts and I had to go steal pieces of footage from a bunch of different games that were used um, where it was just close-ups on players, angry faces. And we used that. And so that, that became sort of the, the tension there in that panic attack. And then when you got to um, no weddings in a funeral episode 10, um, the panic attack was a single camera. It was one shot. He's dressing, he's dancing to Phil Collins, easy lover. And he goes mm -hmm. to the mirror and he just 
starts freaking out in front of the mirror. So I put that the high piercing tinnitus sound underneath it. We echoed out the music. And so we had a sound thing going on that was in line with the other panic attacks. But I was like, what are we going to do visually here? There's nothing to cut away to. Like, you know, Mel had all these great choices and make Rebecca great again to cut away to. I had choices in episode six, but it was very difficult. And I, I started to think, uh, and I remember I called Mel. I'm like, do you think Jason would like some flashback idea or we could flash back to things that he could think about? You know, she said, like, you know, try it, put it in your bin. But that's, you know, these panic attacks are really close to Jason's heart. She's so like, you know, just you want to maybe talk to him about, about that and, and have it ready. So and I showed the director about it. I showed Bill and he's like, yeah, I'd have that on standby, but let's just leave it dry for now. So when we got to cutting with Jason, he's like, all right, let's talk about this panic attack. And I immediately pulled up an option where I'd intercut the dartboard because I figured, you know, he's freaking out about his dad. And we know that mm-hmm. he says in the dart scene that, he, you know, his father passed away and he throws the, the bullseye. So I intercut that and uh, Jason, just his eyes just lit up. He's like, yes, that's, that's it. Fuck. Yeah. He's like, let's do that. <laughs> and so then it became, well, what uh, images can we intercut? And so we chose the army man and we chose Ted, you know, with his son. And that, that became very intentional for Jason, like what images we're going to choose, but the, the dart, absolutely. He was a hundred percent sold. So that's an example of rewriting in the edit room. Like that was an idea he had never thought about. And now actually that we've established a, a flashback technique, I hope maybe in season three, that's something we could think about. Like what do other characters maybe flashback to? We have a whole now two seasons behind us, but yeah, the panic attack design is a big thing. And it started with Mel working forever on that opening episode in season one. And, <laughs> And now we'll see if Ted, maybe he's, um, he's cured after working with Dr. Sharon and he won't panic attack. But I believe that, you know, once you establish something with a character, it, it, it's there, it's part of his psyche. So we'll have hopefully some fun panic attacks for season three. Yeah. Well, and I mean, just, just as somebody, you know, Craig asked me, cause I've had them in my life. Um, I remember my first one and it literally thought I was dying, um, you know, and I, I collapsed on the floor. My roommate had to find me, um, you know, and my mom suffered from them. And, you know, luckily she was able to walk me through like, you know, nothing will happen to you. You will pass out and stuff, but it will feel that way. And um, yeah, like when, when I saw that in the uh, Make Rebecca Great Again, I was just, yeah, that's it. Like you, you literally can't get your bearings. You feel like you don't know where you are. And another thing I loved about the sound design of these panic attacks is, you interspersed because we caught on, caught on really quick on the season two that the fathers and sons dynamic that was happening. And I noticed like audio of uh, Jamie's father yelling at him. Come on, Jamie, at the end of season one. And like everything in there is like a father and a son dynamic that is happening. And, you know, I, I keep picking up on these things over and over and over again. And it just it, it gets into my soul a little bit. You know, it's like, wow, everything is just connecting together like that. And um you know, it, it's fun to know that there's that much there, but also on the editing front, oh, we don't have Emmy nominations for season two yet. But guys, I swear to God, if there's not a nomination for Ted and Rebecca telling their histories in No oh, Weddings and a Funeral, yeah. I was so blown away by that sequence, guys. Like, I, I, um, I think AJ, that was yours. Um, uh, that that is insanity how good that is cut together um and i just i don't even know if i have a question i just want to say thank you for that scene it, it it's just like so it's so cathartic in that moment hannah and jason are giving such great performances and we right. forget to just kind of love the characters because we're so caught up in the story you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah and i mean the, the writers did uh 
suggests that it was written in the script that we were going to do the intercut on 1991. Um, mm-hmm. And that was the, the, and they did suggest some others in the script, but they, they then after a while they were, they were writing, they're like, this will intercut. And they just kind of wrote both sides, but the, the, mm-hmm. they didn't know exactly where it would go. So um, I worked with our director, uh, MJ Delaney, who's amazing. And she, she cut, she directed the finale in episode season one. Um, we worked on really building that out and, and Jason really liked the, the structure of what we had done. And then it became with Jason just honing in on some of the performance and making sure that we were kind of matching the frames so that uh, Rebecca's face was sort of the same size as Ted's face when we were cutting. But of course they, they shot it so beautifully. It really, that really cut together beautifully. And, uh, and yeah, it, it, I'm just super privileged to, um, as Mel said, to work with this cast that delivers these incredible performances and you're and i'm watching these dailies of jason just you know telling this story and bawling he did like three solid takes of it and um i was just like oh my goodness like they're all so good like which one do you choose but you know he, you could tell like he he hones it usually by the the third take you know he really gets it right and it was just such a heartfelt performance and uh, watching that sequence every time it, it still gets me and yeah uh, it's just, I'm just so super privileged to work with this amazing cast on this show. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's also insane because uh, like, I love that the scripts never take the easy way out either. Um, you know, like how, how many times would that scene with Rebecca and her mom end with like some kind of understanding? I mean, I know it does, but I love that Rebecca gets to say to her, then I hate you too. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why, because it's just like, that's the real raw emotion you're feeling there. You know, like you can't hate him anymore. He's gone, but you're still here. So I'm going to take it out on you, even if it's momentary. It's like, these are like such real life, not easy, not cookie cutter scenes that you guys yeah. are putting together here. It's intentional the character. Yeah. You own it. She hates her mom and she owns it, but by owning it and that's, that's part of her healing. Yes. You know, and uh, I love that message in the show. Even that little Christmas card thing they put recently out, the um, the claymation thing for Christmas. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had nothing to do with that. Uh, but um, I loved watching that because he said in that line, he's like, you know, just have a perfect Christmas or an imperfect Christmas. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, what the show celebrates. It celebrates, you know, uh, vulnerability and imperfection. And, and the characters are not perfect there. A lot of these characters are a mess, but they they all just come together and they may not be necessarily a great football team, but they just all gel together. And Rebecca and Ted's not a great coach, but he just gels with them, you know, or is yeah. he a great coach, but it's, it's celebrating the, the moments of, of imperfection. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys were way ahead of the curve on the mental health and sports part, uh, considering uh, what happened with Simone Biles in the Olympics um, oh, and man. all of that. Yeah. yeah that, was, mean, that was such not... a crazy counter there. <laughs> pre-planned it all i mean i feel like that's been our i, I feel like maybe jason is a uh like a uh what's it called when you pr- predict the future <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. you know when we were working on season one we had no idea where we were going to drop in the middle of a pandemic and bring this show about um you know coming together or finding you know he, jason would say season one he's like i just feel like people are over like it's like I don't want to be another cynical comedy. I don't want the comedy yeah. to come from a cynical place. And um, he, like we would, he, you know, even if there was a, a joke that maybe was a little bit too mean, Jason would be like, "I don't think Ted." You know, if Ted would, it, we'd have it in. It'd be funny, but he would be like, "I don't think Ted would do that." And he was very, you know, he he saw that. And then we, you know, we finished 
we got the pandemic happened as we were finishing season one. So we had pretty much every episode done and then we went home to finish them. And, uh, and then we dropped in the middle of this pandemic where people are home and wanting a connection. And we just like, we're like, you know, here's people going through some really life crazy things, but there's, you know, there's love and forgiveness and all these things that I think people were, you know, wanting in their lives. And, at a time when we're all feeling disconnected and here's a, a group of people coming from all over that are connecting. And then season two, we were finishing up and the Olympics happened and all that and the, and mental health and sports. And I was like, that's our, like AJ and I knew what was happening. And I was like, Whoa, like, <laughs> what? you know what I mean? And so I, we haven't seen any scripts for season three, but I, I mean, we'll tell you what, we'll tell you what next yeah, year. Let us like, know what's going to happen guys. <laughs> You're right about it. Yeah. yeah, it seems like the show really just is so smartly uh, on on the pulse of what everyone's feeling and thinking, and that's why why people love it. And um, yeah, kudos to the writers. But you know, they they Jason claims that he had this vision of the show for a long time, ever since he knew you know uh, you know hanging out with Brendan Hunt way back in the day when they were you know on mushrooms together, thinking of this <laughs> idea. And now it's uh, so you know they have a very clear vision, and so. Um, they have um, written this well in advance of what they're writing now, but I know it's been perfected and it is being perfected so much by the writers. And a lot of it gets written as they shoot, you know, so much. It's incredible how much they change, like from their first script we get to the shooting draft. You yeah. Know, it's a quick example, a... the Alan Iverson sequence, like that's oh, Jason yes. wrote that like two days before they shot it. So there's a lot of writing that's always happening and sometimes we don't get like Mel and I don't know how the season's going to end. Like we don't get those ending scripts until like right before they, they shoot. So I think they're thinking it up as they go. Um, I mean, they know what it is, but they're, they're constantly making it better and refining it. So I think that's one of the things they know how to tap into to the present moment. It is, a, it is amazing how you teed that que- the, my next question up for me there, uh, AJ, because um, that is what I wanted to know. Uh, one of the things I'm always fascinated by uh, with the edits and everything like this is, you know, obviously Brendan and Jason have this Second City history. Brett is a stand-up comedian, so he always has to be improving, um, you know, in certain terms with his audience. But, like, you know, especially on comedies, I'm always curious how much improv is encouraged in some of these scripts, because obviously you guys have been talking like there is a lot of purpose in what they're writing. Um, but at the same time, you're also doing comedy and comedy can come so, so spontaneously. Um, and we've heard legends of Jason writing that famous dart scene like on the bar right before he shot it, you know, like he's making improvements. So like how much of improv is uh, in these dailies that you see? Like, do, is it encouraged a little bit? And Who's the biggest, who's the biggest offender? That's what I want to know. I want to know who the biggest offender of this is. Wow. I like, I mean, I, I like Nate's uh, came up with that. Oh God. He was like, Oh God. That, that yeah, was oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> that was something that just became a riff that he would do. Uh, uh, I think Higgins is uh, noise. I mean, it was written uh-huh. about that. Um, I don't know what else, Mel. I mean, I think they, they bring to it some fun little, th- oh, oh, playing with the set. Uh, Jason oh. SNL ways. He just knows like that high five tree. He saw that that <laughs> coat rack that looked like a tree, and he just thought of that, and it became a great joke to put in. Um, but not, not, yeah, not too much. Not too much. I mean, I think they find it in in the off time, like when they're rehearsing, oh, okay. they find yeah. it. But you'll see, like you know, Jason or I. I 
I know I keep going off about the actors, but the right, like the writers are phenomenal as well. But like, and Jason, of course, but like, I'm thinking of, uh, in what episode was it where it was early in season one when Rebecca comes and asks Keely if she wants to, uh, you know, work for, for the team. And, and she's like, oh, don't give me a job because you feel bad or like job, like a job job. And uh, she was like, so not hand or blow or foot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Anyways, in you know, they sometimes they do rolling restarts where they're they've done the take and they keep the camera rolling because mm-hmm. cut it would add more time. So they just keep the camera rolling. And so, you know, I don't their mics aren't live for that point, but I just see Jason run in and like make the motion for Keely, like the foot motion, because she goes like foot and then Keely does <laughs> yeah. motion for Rebecca. That was like Jason just ran in, I think, with that idea. And you just see him do the motion and you see Keely or you know, Juno just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> so you can see it happen. I love those moments where I was like, well, let me watch what's happening here. It's like you feel like a little you get the close the first hand thing of what they're doing on set, which is really fun. Um so there's little things like that that they do, but it's not like and and I, I'm thinking too of um, uh, like you know there's little things where Jason will be okay he's written down some alts and they'll be in the middle of a a joke yeah. so it'll be like they'll go on a riff on like one joke but they have pretty much yeah. the yeah it's this, and then it's just those little ones like just those little performance things yeah. or those little added lines and it's not like a whole thing where I'm like oh my gosh I have to cut down 20 minutes of them riffing back and forth it's it's mostly like which alt line is the best so i'll cut yeah. like all those alts like this is it with this joke and this joke and this joke yeah. and this joke and which one makes us laugh the most sort of yeah. thing brendan is great actually coming up with these yeah. hysterical all lines like you know how's what's his beard yeah. doing full-blown q and on full-blown q and on hilarious you know, he, he's which always... might be yeah. the preceding line might be my favorite line in the whole series um, because <laughs> the amount of truth dripping off of that line is yeah. just everybody immediately yeah. oh your mothers absolutely in. mothers yeah uh... Yep, blueprints to why we're all nuts, everyone. Um, well, you know, um, we uh, actually did get to interview uh, Cola uh, a couple of, uh, oh, God, seems like a couple months ago. Um, just an absolutely wonderful human. Um, absolutely. Oh, Honestly, we talked about his role in Black Mirror a lot, uh, kind of equal amount of Ted Lasso. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, he told us so much about the, the culture on the set of Ted Lasso and how they're so encouraging to each other like they are in the show. Um, and I'm just wondering if that's it, I, I assume it does if that extends to the production side you've already talked a little about how collaborative it all is but do you get that sense of what they're feeling on the set as, as you're in the editing rooms as well absolutely oh yeah i mean I, I i look at all these pictures that they tweet out of them all hanging out and yeah they they they, they seem like they have a lot of fun there and i know mel was on a zoom one where we did notes with she didn't know so Jason and then Brett Goldstein showed up in, in the background and yeah I mean play I, with him, you know. <laughs> I turn I'm not I'm not ashamed I turned into a schoolgirl with <laughs> Brett Goldstein I'm like I absolutely I don't know I just there's something about the bad boy with the heart of gold like if I wasn't watching the show I'd probably have if I was a teenage girl I'd have his poster on my wall you know what I mean like that oh, yeah. I was like that I was just like I love him I love him as a character I love him as a writer yeah he yeah. popped in and and I think maybe Jason did that on purpose because I talked about how much I love him all the time. <laughs> like, you have, like, a role any interview where I'm like, you know, Roy. Anyways, <laughs> he popped up and I'm like, huh, huh, is my hair okay? Like, just like, what? What? professional, get it together. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> no, but I get starstruck with it too. We got to meet them all at the, the premiere party and I, I was just completely mm-hmm. starstruck, you know. It's like, 
Well, it's just so so creepy as an editor because you you know everything about <laughs> yeah. them. You know all their speech patterns and all the yeah. stuff that they say, and it's like I know you, but you don't know me, and it's just a instantly a, a, a an odd uh, relationship. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, so you have to stop yourself from being like, hey, because hey, like, oh, yeah. no, 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 you don't you know just, me. You don't know I me know, at all, but I don't. I, I don't know different. everything about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had the same feeling when when we did the premiere for the indie films that I that I edited. I was like, oh, hey, it's you. It's like you have not met me. Um, I've been in a dark room somewhere. Um, not on this show, but I have had it where they they've been like. Uh, why did you, oh, hey, why did you cut that thing? And not on this show, but like other times. I'm like, oh, this is why the editor never comes out of their room. Never comes, <laughs> yeah. That, that's why we always stay away. Um, yeah. No, but that that is uh, fun because I... Um, I also told my wife is like after she fell in love with Roy Kent, like all the world, I was like, you got to go like see like interviews with him because his voice is like totally different. He's like this such this happy go lucky guy. Um, and it's just really, really fun. Um, you know, we asked you guys though, um, uh, a lot of you know technical questions let's do a little one uh, like a fun question here because you are so intimate with these characters you see every moment of of what these characters are um so maybe it's kind of two questions here um but what character do you regard as your favorite i think i know yours melissa um but also though i'd like to know what character do you guys relate to the most on the show especially as uh, as the editors getting to see everything um uh, whichever one has an answer first. I know. I know. Probably, uh, Roy's your uh, favorite character, right, Melissa? Yes. I mean, yes. And but also, God, I love Keely, and God, I love mm. Rebecca, and God, I love them together. And thank you, yeah. thank you, thank you for having this relationship of of friendship. Oh, sassy. Like when I got to do. Oh, seven, sassy's the best. When oh. I got to do seven, and I was like, these women are supportive and lovely and wonderful and so I've kind of you know I'll take this badge of honor but my assistant Francesca uh we uh you know we feel like we're the the Rebecca and Keely in post-production especially AJ in your episode when when it's like a good mentor will you know want you to will know you will move on and it's well and it's so crazy because i when i talk to francesca i always am like well when you move up she's like no don't say that you know because we love working together so much i mean i mean she's she's not only a wonderful you know assistant but she's a wonderful storyteller and she she actually co-edited episode three with me this last season and 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 it's one of those things where i anyways she said she calls me her Rebecca, and so I, I take that with the badge of honor, and I will wear that because I don't have the arms like Michelle Obama like like uh, <laughs> she has. But you know, I will if somebody tells me that, I'll say I'll run with that. So, anyways, I I guess that's been such a wonderful thing about this super male show is that you get to have these wonderful female characters that um, subvert normally what happens, and that's you know. Jason would say, like, I would sit and listen to the conversations of my sisters or, you know, and and he really wanted to get how female friendships are. And I know we have a lot of wonderful female writers who also, like, you know, just help craft what it really is to be friends <laughs> as ladies. It's not all competition. You know what I mean? And and, and um, we're not there to serve the, the male story all the time. We're, we're the center of our own stories. So um, that's been one of the most wonderful surprises like uh, I think their friendship started blooming in episode three mm-hmm. and when I saw those dailies and I saw the looks they were giving to each other I, I was just like this is this is wonderful like you you can see mm-hmm. that she's kind of like 
just kind of mm. intrigued by Keely as a person. Like she's like, this woman's fun. And then when you got to meet Sass, you understood like what her, you know, yeah. friendships are. And she's not, she's not the cold person that you think she is. And I don't know. I just, so anyways, long story short, love Roy Kent. Um, he is my, my, I, li- I love him dearly, but I have to say, <laughs> I mean, I love no. them all. That's just like, oh, that's so funny. I know, it's hard. Yeah, it's yeah, hard it's to pick. I, I would just start going through all the, ca- and then I'd be like, uh-huh. and then Nate, I have, you know what I mean? I uh-huh. all we can all agree. We we can all agree. Rupert sucks. There we go. There's yeah, there's yeah, all yeah, of our there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony Head is amazing, like, but Rupert, Rupert Head. <laughs> <laughs> that say, yeah, it's such a beautiful friendship they have, Rebecca and Keely, and uh, it's such a divine feminine, you know, in such a masculine world, and uh, it's just so inspiring. Um, I love I love Nate's storyline. Just fascinates yeah. me. I love uh, how he's dealing with his shadow and in his past and the way he's been imprinted by his parents uh, dysfunction. Mm. I relate to that a lot. You know, I can see, you know, as we're all doing sort of this uh, self work, you can see like where, where you've been in the past and trying your best not to, you know, lash. It's very easy to lash out against the ones that you love. Mm. Um, There's such a powerful message with Nate. I'm really, and I had no idea that his, his, storyline was going to go there like mel and i was talking, why is nate being such a dick what is yes. going, going somewhere and then oh, it went somewhere where it went you're like whoa and now you just kind of that's why the fans love to watch the show over and over again it's going to go back and see all the all the clues mm-hmm. um, and just getting just feeling just so unseen um by the team um and everyone he works with and just wanting to be more so yeah that it, it's uh I'm very, very, very impressed with that storyline. It's really amazing. Yeah, similar. And Trent Crim. I love Trent Crim too. He's yeah. Me too. Thank yes. you. I love yes. Trent so much. Yes. James, I want to get James on our show so bad. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I was going to say about Nate. Um, it's interesting. You know, some like a few of my friends reached out and I was like, "There's Nate. There's no redeeming Nate. There's no, like I can't believe he did what he did. And why is it blah blah blah?" And I was like, mm-hmm. "Um, we redeemed Rebecca. You didn't see Rebecca's." turn to the dark side yeah we started season yeah, you one started there. on it yeah imagine if we had shown if you had fallen in love with the rebecca that you know now and we showed her go there I, mm. so i don't know where season three is gonna go but i when when my friend told me that i was like i don't think that's true and i think you know i think uh nick is an amazing actor and and, mm. and like what a performance he gave like that's what i was like when people Oof. were angry at him i was like can you just uh, like see what he did you know what I mean? Like, wow. And then, um, and then I have such faith in the writers and Jason. I know whatever they do for Nate season three, we're going to, I think be on board with, but like, um, anyways, that was my feeling on it was like, we, you just didn't see Rebecca's turn to the dark side. And yeah. Jason had, Jason had told me actually season one that, uh, about Nate. And cause it was one, it was in a moment where he was so sweet and lovable. And he's like, you know, what's going to happen. And I turned to him and I go, no. no. And, and this is Jason. He's such a rabble rouser. He did like a little eyebrow raise, like, oh yeah, I'm gonna do that. No. <laughs> and and so, like, yeah, I had a little inkling because he called it, you know, the um, it's Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes so, Back. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, um, well, he did yeah. drop us little hints. 
types of things. Uh, yeah. You know, we have a yeah, sense but it, of, like, less people forget Vader did save the galaxy, everyone. Okay, so, you know, calm down <laughs> yeah. a little bit. Uh, no, but I did, uh, we, we uh, tweeted out after the finale, uh, <laughs> just like the most uh, traumatic off-screen character death of all time was the belief <laughs> sign. And yeah. that was, because that's, that's the moment even where my wife, like, you know, that, you're right, Nick's, Nick, the way he does that scene is like, I think a lot of people, I initially was just like, oh, come on, Ted, you're not going to say anything to him. And then, like, as I watched it again, I was like, man, no, that performance is so good. It's so raw what he's feeling there. It's just like, yeah, like Ted would be taken aback a bit by this. And but then when you see the belief sign on the desk, it's just like, oh, man, like this, this, this this isn't just like slight in my head. He is full on thinking (laughs) what he's thinking, you know, and it's. That was that was the moment where I was just like, oh my god, he's going through some stuff. <laughs> like he's going through some really bad stuff that he has to he has to work out here. Um, yeah, I know. That let's get that Emmy win for Nick Muhammad. That's all I, I'm I saying. Absolutely. I really hope so. Like I hope people aren't like you know that he was he he did that to the belief sign. So they're like, I could never because you're like, <laughs> but that performance. If you watch that performance, oh. I oh uh, like I just, so heartbreaking. Cut away from that. Just could not cut away. Just yeah. No, no. Out. And I mean, like, you're right. Like, that's when I was watching it the second time. I was just like, oh, man, no. Like, and, you know, like, especially when he talks about, um, you know, Ted not even having the picture up in his office. Oh, and I was yeah. like, no, he put it next to his son's picture. That's what he thinks of you. It's yeah. like, oh, it's yeah. so heartbreaking. Um, yeah. But uh, you guys have been so gracious with our time. Uh, I only have one more question here. Um, and I'm not going to get you guys in trouble at all. I'm not going to ask for spoilers or anything like that. Please. I want to um, have Tim Cook's Apple police come out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Well, I well, am recording this on a MacBook. Maybe he'll yeah. shut it down here. Um, no, but um, we did know um, you guys got to see all of this stuff before it ever came out, before you knew it was going to be this TV juggernaut. You're going to get to see season three before everyone, obviously. Um, I just want to ask, Hannah did mention that um, season three was set to start shooting on Valentine's Day. Um, mm. As far as you know, is that still the plan? Is that still when we can expect cameras to start rolling? That's what they're saying, yeah. That's, yeah, I that, think so, that's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, given the state of the world, who knows? But um, yeah. if that that's is what, that's what we're hearing, I haven't heard a schedule update yet. But yeah, good, good. Well, in the fan communities, they're oh, all a over great the place. day they, to start. They, the yeah, they, they find all these old well. pictures of like Jason at a soccer game. They're like, no, they're shooting now. I'm like, you know, you could have been there like last <laughs> week, guys, just yeah. taking it a soccer. Game. Well, a good, a good sign is is I think they all went over there to kind of ramp up. I think they go over there mm. early, get the maybe they have a writers' room over there or some. Mm. I think. Yeah, they're they're all coming together. You know, the the uh, Avengers are mounting up. Avengers are assembling. Yes, so <laughs> it looks good. It looks good for February fourteenth. Yeah. I think we have a. I'm just actually got an email update that uh, oh. Ted Lasso leads the DGA awards. Uh, nominated. Oh, good. As they to, should. Who, who got who got nominated? Good question. I just you know I just it just popped. Look at up. this. We're breaking news here. Yeah, breaking I, news. I mean, this will be old news. by the time. It is. Uh, but yeah, we have such incredible directors, and they really, yeah. I mean, the, 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 da- yeah, that's Mel said this. The dailies come back, and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe like what they're doing with the camera moves and the mm-hmm. angles. It's just really, really wonderful. Um, and it just gives us so much to choose from. Uh, yeah. yeah. While you look for that, I want to plug everybody that works on this show because, like, like, like you said, the starting with the writers and then, you know, the actors, oh my goodness, the actors are a treat. And then, you know, the cinematography and the production design and like the costumes, like Keely's outfits, Rebecca, oh my gosh, every time I see Rebecca in a oh. new outfit where I'm like, what a, 
can you stop being such a superstar? My goodness, I can't, my heart can't take it. Um, and then, you know, with us and our, our amazing VFX team, like, you know, you, you, like you said, you wouldn't know all the VFX that we have. Like I was just talking about in episode five, when Roy returns to the pitch, it was like, mm. um, you know, there's, he's talking to the, uh, he's looking at what's happening on the field and they're like, let's show you what's happening on the field. And I remember I just like cut it and we cut there and I was like, this doesn't feel right. I was like, I went through soccer Saturday and looked and saw that sometimes they would do like these trans like screen transitions. And mm-hmm. I just said, I, I sent that little bit, like an example. And I was like, can you, to my VFX editor, I said, could you do something like this so we can transfer, snap that up that, you know, nobody ever questioned it. That wasn't something that was in the script. And that just like went to air, you know what I mean? Like, so we have these amazing artists just giving their creative juices. Mm-hmm. And, and also in that episode, um, the, I just on my tip of the tongue, cause our sound team all got nominated. Um, uh, when Roy goes to run, you know, it's the romantic comedy and he runs to the, the, uh, she's like a rainbow song. Mm-hmm. That song plays on the screen for like five minutes and it's a yeah, three a long minute time. song. Great music and, editor there. Yeah. Our music editor, Richard, I was like, I was like, look, I have these little bits. And then when he stops to talk to all these different people, like, I don't want the, the you know what I mean? You can't have the lyrics under all of that. And so he made that song for me last. And, and, and I just kind of did a bad, like rough in of the music. I was like, okay, this is where it like amps, this is where I wanted to start. And then I need, so I just kind of like extended all the instrumental part of the music. And mm-hmm. you can't, when you do that, you hear the bad. You edit. can hear the cut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I <laughs> sent it to him and I was like, can you kind of, and he, and another thing about older songs, sometimes newer songs, you can get an instrumental of it where you don't have any lyrics. So you can kind of, blend it and all that stuff and um they, but older songs they don't do that so there was mm-hmm. no instrumental of that so our music editor just nailed it and he and i was like the important bits are is when you know higgins sees his wife you mm. hear she's all in blue uh-huh. and i had never heard it but it also there's it she's all in gold and keely's mm-hmm. all in gold and he and and our music editor made that hit and i was like oh, it was like another level where and so every time <laughs> i made changes on that i would send it back to him and he would hit all my important things that I wanted. And for us to get that song, our music supervisor had to take that scene to the Rolling Stones and they had to bless it because they don't, we heard they don't like people messing with their stuff. And so um, they were like, we approve this, but if you make any changes, you it's not approved anymore. (laughs) So we just left it like once. That edit is locked. Yeah. 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 And so I just want to shout out that, like, like he did that amazing work. And then our sound team just, I mean, all the things they do, like you talked with tinnitus, the, all their Mm -hmm. extras that they bring to it. I mean, we just, I just feel really lucky. I mean, this industry is really hard and and you, you'll go show to show and you work with different people. And it's like, sometimes that alchemy of just like everybody, uh, it's just, it's just all of the departments hitting. um, And it, you just feel, you just cherish it. I'm I was getting sad season two. If season three is the last, I was like already sad. I was like, I can't believe we're halfway through season two and I only get to do this one more time. Yeah. Like, you know, because it, it doesn't happen often. This doesn't happen often where no. people, where your audiences relate and then your team behind the scenes also, you oh, know. Absolutely. So, it's a anyways. game of like, like, like uh, editing like soccer, game of collaboration. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There you go, there well, I'll um, mention the episode uh, Rainbow that got nominated for Best oh, Director. Okay. I have, yeah, I really love Erica, so I'm very she's excited. She's great to work with. Yeah, yeah, she did. yeah. And then MJ again uh, gets nominated for No Weddings and a Funeral. And uh, Beard After Hours got a nomination. Yes. Sam, what, a, what a great episode that was, the way this, the production design in that episode. Yeah, that was 
wild. Yeah. I know. Was, yeah, that was funny because I told Craig like when we got that one uh, a little early, I was like, huh. There's a Scorsese film called After Hours, and yeah. I was like, I haven't seen it in a while, and so he went back and watched it. And like the parallels were fantastic. I was like, I'm gonna love this episode, man. I'm yeah. really gonna love it. I I know a lot of the fans were pissed because you come up AJ's wonderful episode eight, where like finally stuff is starting to happen, and then we're like, yeah. we're not gonna yeah. we're not gonna continue the story at all. Sorry, right, like, we're gonna like, do it all. So, yeah. Like I feel like if people were able to binge, maybe they found it more satisfying because then they could yes. go right yeah. to the next. No, that's and, absolutely true. And I didn't think about that because I knew where the season was going. And I just anytime I get to spend a little time with any of our characters, I'm like, heck yeah! Like I, I that was one of my favorite episodes ever to do. I just I love that it. episode. And um, anyways, but I was just like, when it came out, I was like, oh, I, I get it. Like if you came off yeah. episode eight and waited a week to see what there was, was going to happen, and then you, you got nine, you yeah. might have been like, wait a minute, that's like yeah. a whole nother week. Yeah. But like for AJ and I, we knew what was coming. We knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. So you're all fine. Christmas episode, the Christmas episode. Yeah, yeah. Why can't Ted Lasso have some conflict? Like, oh, just you wait. You're gonna eat all those I tweets. <laughs> oh, and you know, not not to badmouth Man City, AJ, but I mean that episode has a distinct lack of hula hoop dancing, and I I need my hula hoop dancing. Yeah, so. right, right, right. <laughs> okay, yeah. When we talked about uh, uh, Nick getting a I mean, can we get one for Brendan Hunt? And that's I'm just it. saying, oh, man. Like, <laughs> I loved that episode yeah, just yeah. from the from the new cover of the of the theme song to uh Marcus's uh blue moon like that was oh, that was yeah. haunting man like yeah. everything about that episode I love but yeah I, I I could do a whole deconstruction of that of like all the references like well what, hey yeah, you know we've but... got time uh before <laughs> season three reviews start Melissa so I'm just gonna, the next podcast. We'll I'm gonna invite yeah, yeah, yeah. you on for a beard after dark re- deconstruction here but guys you've been yeah. so gracious with your time I know our audience is absolutely going to love this. Um, I love you guys, uh, not just for your work, but you've been a blast (laughs) to talk to. Um, So just once again, thank you so, so much. Get to work there. We all want to see season three. And uh, just once again, thank you. Believe. Thank you. This was so lovely. Yeah. Thanks so much. And I'm, I'm just so happy we have fans (laughs) that love us so much. You have many. (laughs) Biscuits. Thanks for doing it. Thank you. All right, folks, there you have it. This has been a pretty long episode. What an amazing conversation we had with them. We hope that you enjoyed it. Not going to take up too much time here at the end, but of course, we want you to reach out to us and tell us what you thought of this interview and what you think of everything Ted Lasso. So, of course, find us on Facebook, our Facebook group, Peanut Butter and Biscuits. You can email us at frontrowlasso at gmail.com. And, of course, since we're part of the Front Row Network on NPR Illinois, you can find us anywhere you find the Front Row Network. Um, And there's just so many ways to get in touch with us but we want to hear Craig anything else before we head on out just such a great interview and I really just want to express our gratitude and thank you for their kindness for their time for their uh, technical mastery that they put into this show Mm. it's incredible to get to speak to people that are such a high caliber and now getting recognized by uh, awards and getting that Emmy for AJ and that Emmy nomination for Melissa. And it's just like, it's incredible. Again, the culture and the work and the effort that goes into the show that all of us love and that all of us have really found something in ourselves through this show. So Mm. thank you to them. Thank you for all the hours they put in just making those small edits and (laughs) things that might take so much time 
And it's great. I, I hope that they know, and they probably got it from us geeking out so much yeah. <laughs> that their little efforts that they put in that are just take hours and hours and hours to do. They really are noticed by us as fans and by us as an audience. And just thank you to both of them for their art and creativity that they put out into the world. Absolutely. So thank you, AJ and Melissa. Welcome back you anytime to the podcast here, but we've got to get on out folks next week. We will be bringing you uh geez. What are we up to now? Uh, episode nine, I believe of season one, all apologies, all apologies, man. Yeah, this yeah, is going to be fun. You're going to apologize to me for being gone for nine months or whatever it was <laughs> that you were down in Florida. So it was a while. I expect that apology for sure. Yep, there you go. We'll, we will get into that. Uh, many mea culpas. Uh, but look for that next week. Um, but for Peanut Butter and Biscuits on the Front Row Network on NPR Illinois, I am Jeremy Geckner. And I'm Craig McFarland. And as always, folks, be a goldfish. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.